Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 vets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura, answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Good Saturday morning, pet lovers. Hey, I think we've got a little bit of technical difficulties. I'm not sure if you're seeing your screen flicker, but I'm seeing my screen flicker. Hey, I'm Will Bangor, and like I said, uh, you're listening to Pet Talk today here on Facebook Live, where I'm here each and every Saturday morning at 11 o'clock Eastern Time. If you're brand new to Pet Talk today, let me talk a little bit about what we do here. I'm here to help you deal with all of your dog training and dog behavior problems. Um, If you've got a question, I don't care if it's about a nuisance behavior like jumping or barking, or maybe you've got a serious problem like aggression, separation anxiety, fears, phobias. Hey, we got the 4th of July coming up. How many of you have dogs with sound sensitivities, noise sensitivities, or the fear of fireworks. We're going to be talking about that today as well. We're going to be talking about the 4th of July. If you've got a dog that has noise sensitivities, if you've got a dog that really freaks out on the 4th of July, um, there are things that we can do to prepare for that, uh, to help your dogs be more comfortable, to be more relaxed, Um, there's even a little bit of time to begin the process of counter conditioning and desensitizing to these sounds. Um, so we're going to be talking about that as well. Hey, if you've got a question about your dog's behavior, if you've got a question, um, and you would like some help, then this is what I'd like you to do. Go ahead and type your question into the comment section and do me a favor let me know where you're watching from and what kind of pets you have. So go ahead. Yeah, put your question in the comment section. Also, I'll be taking your calls today live. If you'd prefer to call in and get more detail, question and answer help, you can do that. Jot down the call-in number. That number is 414-400-3647. Again, 414 414- Four zero zero three six four seven. Call the call-in number. If you've got a question, I'd be happy to help you with that as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think we've got a little bit of technical difficulty today in terms of uh, the cameras, but we're going to work through this as well. Uh, hey, Teresa, new to Pet Talk today. I'm glad that you're here. So Dale has a question. He says, why does my dog chase cars and how do I stop her? Um, and Dale's from Maine. Well, Dale, one of the things, and, and anybody that has a dog that chases cars, they have a dog typically that has a lot of prey drive. I'll bet your dog loves to chase after a ball. Okay. So one of the things is that some of these dogs, um, anything fast that moves by them, they're going to go ahead and run after. So one of the things you've got to do is you've got to begin to teach impulse control exercises, okay? And those are things like wait at the door, sit before your meals. Um, You're going to want to start working around mild distractions. Listen, in terms of, you know, Dale, you don't want your dog chasing the cars. I want you to think about what would be an alternative behavior that your dog could do that we could teach and we could motivate your dog through lots of positive reinforcement. And if your dog is committed to that behavior that we teach, that alternative behavior to chasing the cars, your dog would not be able to chase the cars because it can't do two behaviors at the same time. It'd have to give up one for the other. One of the things for impulse control, I like people to teach a place command. Now, if you don't know what place is, if you don't know anything about a place command, go to my website at dogbehaviorist.com 
Write that down, dogbehaviorist.com. Go to the article section. There's about 60 articles up there. One of the articles is about how do you teach place. Now, I like to teach place on an elevated dog cot. Um, These dog cots that are up off the ground about two inches. Now, why that's so important, you can teach a dog to stay much faster, 12 times faster if you begin that process on one of those elevated dog cots. It's got kind of that psychological cliff effect. Okay, they're less apt to step off. Also, those elevated dog cots, you know, there's that physical barrier that also helps them to understand to stay. But they're not going to just stay there because we put them up there. We have to proactively teach them what stay means. Even if you said the word stay, that doesn't guarantee anything, right? What you want to do is you want to command your dog to go there. Give the cue or command of place. Your dog gets up there. Mark and reward. If you don't know what marker system is in training, you need to learn that. Markers are something that we use to have very clear and precise communication to the dog. Um, Let's them know when they did something right because timing is critical. We have about zero to a half a second to get food in their mouth for them to connect the dots why they're getting the food. And marker training allows us to be able to bypass that limitation. Some people might call it clicker training. The marker doesn't have to be a clicker. It could be an auditory marker. It could be a visual marker. We use this to mark behaviors with deaf dogs. But you need to ask your dog to go to place, teach your dog to go to place. When your dog gets up on that cot, reward the dog. And reward frequently and start to move around, walk around their cot as you're feeding treats. Take a step back. If your dog does not come off the cot, go back, mark and reward the dog. Then start little distractions like little clapping, little whistling, maybe bending down, moving a little faster. Now, have a leash on your dog when you do this. If your dog takes the bait of the distraction, put your dog back on the cot. Give the place command again. However, this time, if your dog came off without permission, don't give a food reward, but go back into distracting. And as you're going into the distractions, if your dog's not taking the bait and staying on place, you want to reward your dog. Make sure you're using high value food rewards. Cut up little pieces of cooked chicken, cooked beef, and your food reward should be about the size of a pea. And make sure that you have them in a treat pouch. We don't want to bribe our dogs. There's a big difference between rewarding a dog with food when there's no food present in their eyesight and they've got to do the behavior first. Then we mark that behavior with a click or an auditory marker like yes. And then we reward the dog. You've got to use high value food rewards. You've got to be more interesting than what's going on in the environment with the distractions. But every day, spend two minutes proactively trying to bait and distract your dog. I know it sounds paradoxical. We want the dog to stay on place, and yet we're coaxing the dog off in a way. But the baiting and distracting, even saying the dog's name, that's not a release command, and that's fair. And again, it's it's like playing a game for two minutes. Bait and distract the dog. Now, if your dog keeps losing, if your dog keeps coming off a place, your distractions are too intense too soon. Turn them down and slowly and gradually build up the distractions. You're going to start doing this, Dale, in the house. Then you're going to go outside. You're going to do it in different areas in your, on your property. Then you're going to go off property. Now, what I recommend that you do okay, is if you were to take that place cot, say, to a park, and you're in the middle of a park, there's going to be cars, hopefully there's streets near that park, right? How did you get there? You had to drive there, right? And cars are going to go by. But your dog's going to be far enough away from the cars that it's not going to chase. Dale, I'll bet there's a distance that your dog can be away from cars that are moving that it won't chase. But I bet as you get closer and closer and closer, there's this magical spot that then kicks in that chasing reflex. What you want to do, Dale, is you want to start training your dog 
to do alternative behaviors like staying on place, to receive high value food rewards. You want to be more interesting than the distractions in the environment and cars moving are distractions. And you begin to train this around the distraction of cars, but when cars are not right up next to the dog. We wouldn't begin to train this, Dale, on a sidewalk of a busy street with cars zipping by. Start at home. Start with your own proactive distractions. Okay, Then start working in different locations. Then start working around cars, but make sure there's quite a bit of distance between your dog and the cars. And again, you've got to be more interesting and your food rewards have to be more interesting. And Dale, maybe your dog, I don't know, maybe your dog has such high prey drive that the reward is a toy. Maybe your dog will focus on a toy rather than, you know, just food and be more motivated by a toy. I don't know. A lot of dogs that chase, they're toy crazy. And sometimes that's the better reward. But check out my article on place. You can find that at dogbehaviorist.com. Go to the article section. Again, dogbehaviorist.com. Check out that place command. That place command is phenomenal for teaching impulse control. It's phenomenal for helping your dog learn to relax and be calm. The other thing you can do is you can go to my website at dogbehaviorist.com. Look for the article on the relaxation protocol. The relaxation protocol is about a 16-day training protocol. It was designed by Dr. Karen Overall, and it really helps with impulse control. And it really helps to calm down, relax the dogs, and for you to get more control over your dog. But give that a shot, um, Dale, and, and do me a favor. Come on back to the show. Let us know how things are going. All right, Marie's got a question. She says, my dog will attack my other dogs when touched and doesn't listen on walks. He is almost the perfect dog indoors, but not so much with all the noise outside. He's been around the other dogs for about 10 years, and that hasn't changed. Well, Maria, there's a lot of things that could be going on as far as your dog attacking your other dogs when touched. Um, Does this happen in a specific location? Does it happen when things are calm and quiet or when things are very excitable? Um, Marie, if you want, if you're still there and if you want to call into the show, I can ask you more questions and help you out more. But there's a lot of information that I'm kind of missing. But if you'd like to call in, it's 414-400-3647. But again, Marie, you could also begin to teach that place command I was talking about. Your dog can't be committed to staying on place and going and attacking your other dogs at the same time. So proactively teaching your dog to stay on place with distractions and then having your other dogs at a little bit of a distance from your dog. Now, make sure you do this with a leash before um, you try to do this off leash, right? And begin touching your dog while it's on place because your dog again, can't be committed to staying on place and going after your other dogs at the same time. So you want to start thinking, folks, not so much what you don't want your dog to do, but what alternative behavior can you proactively teach your dog to do that when your dog's engaged in that behavior, it would be incompatible with the behavior you don't want. You know, like dogs that jump on guests when they come through the door, Well, if you proactively spent a month or two working really hard on teaching the dog to sit and stay when there's door knocks, when there's doorbells, when people come in and out the house, in and out the door, you would have that. But you got to proactively do that. And again, that's got to be, you know, that training has to be more fun, has to be more interesting than the distraction. See, a lot of you guys are letting your dogs get really excited around a lot of other people. And that's a lot of fun, a lot of fun for the dog. But that fun, when somebody comes into the house, if they're a a friendly dog and they're all excited and jumping on people, that's more positive reinforcement than probably what you're giving when you're training. That's more fun for the dog. Again, the training has to be more rewarding and more fun than the behaviors we're trying to stop, okay? Um, Now, in, in the case 
of Marie's dog attacking another dog. That's not fun. But teaching impulse control. Also, your dog's 10 years old. Does your dog have pain issues? Are there other things going on? When's the last time, uh, Marie, your dog was to the vet? You know, sometimes they've got painful conditions. Sometimes when you're touching your pet, then the other dogs come close. And it might be a space issue, too. Some dogs need more space. Uh, We've got V from Los Angeles. I've got a rescue. He's a two-year-old Yorkie Terrier mix. I love Yorkie Terrier mixes. Let us, what, what's your dog's name? Um, Cindy says, one of my best friends, Frenchie, and bully males uh, cannot no longer see each other. Ever since one of my bully females went into heat and had pups, they do nothing but fight. Frenchie is the aggressor in this case. Uh, but the bully can really hurt him, so we can't have them together anymore. I have other males, and they're all good together except those two. Um, Cindy, inter-dog aggression. Having two dogs or multiple dogs, more than two dogs in the same home that are fighting is the most challenging, in my opinion, is the most challenging behavior problem you can deal with. And I specialize in that. I I focus on aggression, fears, phobias, anxiety. Um, One of the things, Cindy, is both dogs that are fighting have to have a really high level of obedience training. You need to be able to manage the behaviors. Again, imagine if both of your dogs had a really solid, strong place command where they go to this elevated dog cot. And place means stay. And they're committed to that. Well, they could be on place at a distance from one another and start to desensitize to being around one another again. But they can't go after each other if they're committed to staying on place. Now, a lot of times, Cindy, and I'm telling you, with this kind of aggression, most likely you need the help of a professional. We're going to teach you all about alternative behaviors. We're going to teach you how to keep your dog's focus. But the biggest thing is when you've got a dog that has aggression, reactivity, fears, phobias, you need to be thinking about counter conditioning and desensitizing. No animal goes into fight or flight unless they perceive something as threatening. So from that perspective, again, I'll say it again, no animal goes into fight or flight unless they perceive something as threatening. So from that perspective, all aggression is based in fear. Now, the aggressive behavior, the outward behavior, the visible behavior that is a problem for you, Cindy, is one of your dog's solutions. See, the real problem is the anxiety and the fear that's leading to the aggression. Now, there's probably no real threat. There might be. There doesn't have to be a real threat. And it could be a resource guarding issue. And resource guarding could be space, people, another pet, toys, foods, other objects. Both dogs need to have a high level of obedience training. Then both dogs need to have a lot of counter conditioning and desensitization. That can take about three to six months of work. When I'm working with clients and they've got dogs in the house that are fighting, it's definitely a three to six month process. And to start with, if they were fighting and hurting one another, they've got to be separated. Because it's usually not a matter of if they're going to fight again, it's when. And sometimes it's unpredictable. We've got to do the work. And counter-conditioning and desensitizing is how you change that underlying emotional state. When your dog doesn't have fear, when your dog doesn't have anxiety, when your dog doesn't view the other dog as a threat, then the aggressive behavior stops. So to stop the aggressive behavior, you need to change the underlying emotional state. Counter-conditioning is pairing positive things with exposure to a trigger that they don't like. If you go to Google and you do a Google search for the Pet Talk Today podcast, Pet Talk Today podcast, you want to look to my audio podcast, okay? You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, 
Audible, um, Google Podcast, iHeart, you name it. Go to the Pet Talk Today podcast. Look for episode 81. Episode 81 is an hour and a half dealing with nothing but counter conditioning and desensitization. You're not going to correct or punish this out of the dog. And, and it's important to realize this, folks. Um, the dog's not being dominant. Okay? Even if we were to say, hey, this is dominance aggression, which is over a mate, by the way. It would still be fear of loss. Still a perceived threat. When you change that underlying emotional state and association with the trigger, the behavior changes. If you use punishment, anything that involves even the slightest level of fear, intimidation, or pain, you might have success suppressing the behavior temporarily. The dog might not show that outward behavior because of fear, pain, or intimidation with corrections and punishment. But that's just temporary. You didn't fix the problem. You just suppressed the behavior. You held it down for a while. And it gets worse because the pressure inside builds and builds and builds. We've got to deal with that underlying emotional state. Now, find a professional behavior consultant or behaviorist near you. If you can't, you can go to my website at dogbehaviorist.com. I do virtual behavior consultations. I help people with severe aggression, fears, phobias, anxiety all over the world, virtually. I don't have to be there to help you with your dog. It's all about training you. So you can go to dogbehaviorist.com. If you need some help, I can help you. You can find somebody in your own town um, to help you as well. But I wouldn't do that by yourself. But you can start learning about counterconditioning and desensitizing. You can go to my website, dogbehaviors.com, go to the articles section, look for the articles on counterconditioning and desensitization. Also, I've got a great article on introducing dogs. And when it comes time to reintroduce your dogs, you're going to want to follow that protocol as well. <clears throat> when dogs are fighting, you don't just bring them back together. It's a slow gradual process. Um, Leslie says she's watching from Utah. She adopted a second dog, um, a dachshund. Yeah, dachshund mixed two weeks ago, and he is resource guarding me when he sits in my lap, mostly growls as people approach or lashes out if they touch me or him. Also, at my other dog, There's a typo there. If he tries to jump up on me too, I want the adoption to work, but don't want to live like this. Well, yeah. And and one of the things is that um, when you get a rescue dog, you never know what kind of baggage they come with, right? And, you know, a lot of times, guys, when we're talking about um, these type of severe behaviors, when... You know, there's aggression, when there's fears, when there's phobias. Oftentimes, there's not just a behavioral component when we have these severe behaviors, but a neurochemical imbalance as well. Uh, That's a perfect time for me to talk about calm dogs. Calm dogs is the world's most effective calming aid for dog anxiety. It doesn't just help with anxiety. If you've got a dog with fears, phobias, problems with fireworks, storms, aggression, car rides, grooming, vet visits, doesn't matter what kind of issue you have, calm dogs in clinical trials was shown to help 98, that's huge, 98% of dogs. Their owners reported a decrease in anxiety. 98% of dogs. There's never been a calming aid that has had that kind of success. Check out Calm Dogs at calmdogs.com. Again, calmdogs.com. There's a huge sale going on right now. Full disclosure, Calm Dogs is my own brand. That's right. I created Calm Dogs. It took me five years of researching and developing um, this product. And one of the reasons I did it was I had a dog that had severe emotional issues, fears, phobias, aggression. 
And I didn't want my dog to go on Prozac. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with medications. There are dogs that need medication. But I wanted something that was natural. And I went looking for everything and anything natural that might help my dog. I spent hundreds of dollars. I bought all kinds of products and none of them. I mean, none of them worked. None of them. So I went and decided, look, I have a lot of knowledge in neurochemistry. I've got a ton of knowledge in psychopharmacology. Um, got a master's degree. I know how to do research. I know how to publish papers, reports. So I spent five years researching and developing what ingredients, what natural ingredients actually work. I wanted to make sure that everything was based in science. Everything was evidence-based wanted to make sure that I could look into peer reviewed journals and show that all the ingredients that I use show statistical significance in reducing aggression, reactivity, fears, and phobias. Now, is it going to work for every dog? Calm dogs is not going to work for every dog, just like medication doesn't work for every dog. But it works for the majority of dogs. It helps. Is it going to cure your dog? No. It's going to help significantly. The best thing is a combination of a supplement and behavior modification. Or if you've got a very severe dog, your dog might need medications. But there's no supplement, no pill, no medication that's going to just cure a dog. You've got to do the training and behavior modification. But some dogs, if they don't have the help of a supplement or medication, um, you're going to just keep hitting that wall. That's the one part that you're not treating. And trust me, a lot of these severe problems, fears, phobias, aggression, anxiety, we know through studies that they got low levels of serotonin. They've got problems with GABA. They got problems with glutamine. They got problems with norepinephrine. They got problems with dopamine. So check out Calm Dogs at calmdogs.com. I'm so convinced that my product can help your dog I make it risk-free. It comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. My, my promise is simple to you. Calm Dogs works for your dog or it's free. You get your money back. So go to calmdogs.com. All right, enough of that spiel. Let's get back to the questions. Um, Leslie's watching from Utah. Yep, we talked about you. And All right, resource guarding you um, in your lap. First thing I would do is I wouldn't let the dog be in my lap. You need to avoid the situations right now where your dog is reactive because your dog's just going to rehearse that behavior. It's going to get more and more ingrained. It's going to get um, more and more reinforced. See, a lot of these behaviors, right? We talked about aggression being really a problem of fear and anxiety. And dogs that are aggressive, they want distance and space. So when they bark, they lunge, they go to attack. They want distance and space. And what happens usually is you intervene, you pull the dog out of there, and you help create the distance and space. Now, I get it. You don't want your other dog getting hurt. But you see how the behavior becomes very functional for the dog? It starts learning that it can get distance and space when it does that behavior. All behavior is functional. All behavior is reinforced or it extinguishes. A lot of you don't understand negative reinforcement is the removal of something unpleasant. Well, adding more distance and space from some other dog that I want, that I feel uncomfortable around, that behavior of outward aggression becomes very functional. They're not going to give that up anytime soon. You've got to do the counter conditioning and desensitizing. So again, episode 81 of the Pet Talk Today podcast, because um, I don't have an hour and a half to go into it, and you need some serious, serious help. So check that out. Um, let me go back to the questions here. Let's see. Benjamin, what's Benjamin's question? Something about why do you think is happening with, what do you think is happening with dog food? Why is it always out of stock? Well, Benjamin, here's the thing. Supply chain issues since COVID and 
trust me, a lot of the supplies are coming from uh, China. A lot of it. But yeah, supply chain issues. Um, so V, we were... All right, I thought I answered this, but my dog is named Jax. He's got anxiety and fear. There is only one dog... Uh, that he's like to play with. That dog was a large dog with all others. My dog either lunges, runs around, scared if placed in a room uh, with a few dogs. I'm confused why he only liked the one dog and played with him like a happy, normal dog. Well, it also depends on the age of your dog. It depends when that happened. You know, a lot of dogs, when they're puppies, they're okay. But then as they get older, six, seven, eight, nine months, a year, year and a half, now all of a sudden we start seeing that aggression come out. And, you know, not every dog is going to be a complete social butterfly and love every dog that's out there. I mean, as a rule, as a general rule, generally dogs, there's about 20% of dogs that they just don't get along with. Yeah. Um, again, you know, if your dog has anxiety and fear, we have to ask ourselves why. Is there a real threat? Is there a real threat or are your dogs responding to perceived threats? See, that's another thing that lets you know whether or not there's a neurochemical component. It's one thing if there are real threats. It's a whole nother thing when you go into fight or flight when there's not a threat. The dog's not responding so much to the external stimuli, it's responding to internal stimuli. And that's why some dogs need supplements like calm dogs or medications um, because no amount of training, no amount of behavior modification is going to change the neurochemistry of the brain. And that is definitely a component. Um, all right. I mentioned I wanted to talk about the 4th of July. The 4th of July is coming up. I'll, I'll go back and look at more of your questions um, in a little bit. But I said I wanted to talk about the 4th of July. I wanted to talk about fireworks, anxiety, uh, noise sensitivities. Um, now, we've talked many times on the show that I don't care what the problem is, if it's related to fear, anxiety, reactivity, aggression. The gold standard in behavior modification is going to be counterconditioning and desensitization. The process, the principles are the same for all anxieties, fears, phobias, aggression, and reactivity. Call it exposure therapy, if you will. Again, you can learn more in depth about counterconditioning and desensitization by going to my website, dogbehaviorist.com, and going to the article section. Grab that article on counterconditioning and desensitization. Also, the Pet Talk Today podcast. Go to the audio podcast. Do a Google search for Pet Talk Today. Look for episode 81, which is an hour and 35 minutes on counter conditioning and desensitization. Those of you that have dogs with firework anxiety, fears, phobias, you need to get that article on counter conditioning and desensitizing. You need to listen to the podcast, episode 81 of counterconditioning and desensitization. Now, it is a gradual, slow process to get your dogs used to sounds that scare them. We start this by playing sounds at very, very, very low volumes. Now, the way that counterconditioning works, we are exposing the dog to a trigger, in this case, the sound of fireworks, but keeping the dog below its threshold. So if the volume we're playing causes any level of stress or anxiety in your dog, you have started that volume too loud. You begin the process of counterconditioning and desensitizing when it comes to firework sounds by playing sounds at a volume that your dog can hear but doesn't have a care in the world. That's important. Doesn't have a care in the world. What you want to do is you want to have super high value food wards. You know what I like to do? I like to take 
canned chicken. I like to put it in the blender. I like to make a paste and I like to put it in a squeeze bottle. Like, you know, when you go to a restaurant and there's the ketchup and mustard squeeze bottles. Yeah. I make a yummy food paste. We press play as soon as the fireworks sounds start. Feed, feed, feed. I'm squeezing constantly. Little bit of this yummy food paste keeps coming out. So the whole time the dog is hearing the fireworks, the dog is getting fed this yummy, yummy, yummy paste for about one to three seconds. Then I hit the stop button. As soon as the sound of the fireworks goes away, the feeding stops for about one to three seconds. Nothing. Then press play. As soon as the sound of the fireworks begin, start feeding constantly and continuously for about one to three seconds. Press stop. As soon as the sound stop, stop feeding. We are associating and pairing something incredibly wonderful, this yummy, yummy, yummy chicken paste with something that your dog found very scary, the sound of fireworks. But when we begin the process of pairing them, creating the association that firework sounds brings about yummy chicken paste, those sounds, again, have to start at a level where your dog does not have a care in the world. You're going to do this every day for about five minutes. 10 minutes max every day. You can do it more than once a day, but five to 10 minutes max. Spend about a week or two at that one low volume where your dog does not have a care in the world before you turn that volume up. You should get to the point in the first week or two where when you press play and those sounds of fireworks start, your dog should be looking to you excitedly, hey, where's my chicken paste? When that happens, we know the dog understands the game. Now we can turn up the volume just a little bit and start the process all over again. Because we did a couple of weeks at this low volume where the dog had no care and concern and we paired it with high value food rewards and made that a positive experience, we were then able to go up a little bit louder. Don't get greedy. Watch your dog's body language. Again, even when you turn it up now, if your dog's showing any sign of stress, anxiety, fear, you've gone too loud, too high, too soon. Bring the volume down. Very slowly and gradually you go up. Until you can have it up all the way, as loud as it'll go. And if you've got a really good surround sound stereo system, that's what you want to use. But again, you start at super low volume. Now, you may or may not, if you started today, you may or may not, because you've only got less than a month, be able to significantly desensitize your dog to the sound of fireworks. A lot of times this takes months and months. So if you've got a dog that's super severe when it comes to afraid of being afraid of those sounds, fireworks, let me talk about ways that you can help your dog. We already talked about calm dogs. You can try supplements like calm dogs, go to calmdogs.com. But if it's super severe, you know, if you've got a dog that's panting, pacing, drooling, trembling, tail tucked, and it's that way for hours, man, your dog's suffering. Get some temporary situational medication. Go see your veterinarian. Get something for your dog to calm your dog down. Now, oh, let me say this about my supplement, Calm Dogs. It does not sedate. It doesn't work that way. It's not going to make your dog a zombie. But there are sometimes we need to use sedating medications when dogs have a lot of anxiety. We need to really bring that anxiety down. Now, some dogs, you start sedating them, they get more anxious. They start feeling like they're losing their faculties and losing their senses, and they get more anxious. So if you get medication, situational medication that sedates your dog for the 4th of July, give it to your dog before the 4th. You want to know what happens with the medication. And is it enough or is it too much? 
the other thing is, you know, if you've got a dog that is afraid of fireworks, they may try to escape and run away. Make sure you stay home if you have a dog that's afraid of fireworks. Okay. Make sure that your dog has a collar with an ID tag. Make sure that your dog is chipped. Do you know that the 4th of July and for the next few days after that is the busiest time of the entire year at all shelters? Because so many dogs have a fear of fireworks, they just, they'll bust through windows, they escape, and they're loose. So you've got to keep your dog safe. Okay, stay home with your dog. Make sure they've got a collar on. Make sure they got an ID tag in case they get away. Make sure that they're microchipped. Now, one of the things that you're going to want to do, again, long-term training, being very proactive, the counter-conditioning and desensitization, getting them used to the sound of fireworks over time. Using situational medications or supplements can help. When the fireworks start, Get your dog into the quietest place in the home. Now, usually it's a closet because you get into the closet, right? You got all of the clothes, all that material that's in that little space. It's kind of like a sound dampening room. Walk-in closets, they're great. Quietest room in the house. So if you've got a dog that's afraid of fireworks and you've got a big walk-in closet, go into that big walk-in closet. Bring some puzzle games. Bring some fun stuff for you and the dogs. Play some Bob Marley. Did you know that dogs prefer reggae? They like reggae music better than any other genre. Isn't that interesting? A lot of people thought it was classical. They like classical music but they like reggae the most. So play some Bob Marley on the 4th of July for your dog. Get in the closet with your dog where it's the quietest area. You can also use a white noise machine to help out as well. Keeping your dog busy, keeping your dog active. All important things. But really, the big work to be done is the counter-conditioning and desensitization. And you may have some time, depending upon the severity of how your dog handles the 4th of July and fireworks, you might have enough time. Again, remember, go to the Pet Talk Today audio podcast. Look for episode 81 on counter-conditioning and desensitization. Now, as far as um, sounds, you can get all kinds of recorded fireworks sounds on YouTube. All kinds of them. I've got another website. If you want to go check out, I've got a lot of um, YouTube videos with sounds. Go to phoenixdogtraining.com forward slash sounds. phoenixdogtraining.com forward slash sounds. I've got babies screaming, crying. I've got uh, big sounds of trucks. I've got gunshots. I've got uh, thunderstorms, fireworks, you name it. We've got leaf blowers, gas-powered and electric-powered, uh, fire alarms. So if you've got a dog with sound sensitivities, go to, go to my other website, phoenixdogtraining.com forward slash sounds. There's some great stuff there that can help you with that as well. Um, let's see here. I also, well, you know, I wanted, interestingly enough, I wanted to talk about impulse control today, and we were able to talk about that with some of the issues, with some of the questions that we had today. But impulse, let's talk about impulse control exercises. If you've got a dog that's hyper, if you've got a dog that, you know, just has a lot of energy, and a dog that tends to be very reactive. I don't mean necessarily aggressively reactive, but it could be happily, excitably reactive. But when it gets even the slightest bit of stimulation, it seems like it gets overstimulated. These are dogs that need impulse control exercises. So teaching them to stay and having to stay with distractions. We talked about the place command. Teaching them leave it. Do you all know how to teach Leave It? Again, you can go to my website, dogbehaviorist.com. Go to the article section. I got a great article on Leave It. Got a great article on Drop It. Got a great article on resource guarding at dogbehaviorist.com. Check out those articles. But 
when we start teaching the dog to wait at the door, wait for its food, sit before a greeting, teaching the dog to leave it, teaching the dog to drop it, teaching the place command, teaching door manners threshold. Don't let the dog just bolt through those doors. Those are all things that are going to help calm your dog down. Your dog needs to learn that it doesn't need to respond to every little bit of stimulation in the environment, that it can handle it, it can be calm, it can be relaxed, it can just chill. So one of the best ways to begin to do that, I talked about it earlier in the show, Dr. Karen Overall has this thing called the Relaxation Protocol. I've got an article on the Relaxation Protocol at dogbehaviorist.com. And in there is the link, in that article is the link to Dr. Karen Overall's relaxation protocol. That's about a two-week daily plan of what you do with your dog. That's another great thing that you could do. It, it, it looks like the relaxation protocol looks like you're just doing obedience training, like sit and down and stay. But it really, really helps calm the dog down helps relax the dog, helps the dog with impulse control issues as well. Um, now, the biggest thing, guys, is that when, you, when your dog loses it and you can't get your dog's focus, your dog is dealing with what we call competing motivators. Another word for a competing motivator is a distraction, right? You, I've said it before many times in today's show. You've got to be more interesting. You've got to be more fun than anything in the environment. You've got to be more interesting. You've got to be more fun than any distraction. So if you're a stoic person, you've got to learn how to get excitable with your dog because you want to keep that focus and engagement with your dog. And if you begin to do that, have very fun very engaged obedience training where you're teaching basic commands and cues like sit and down and come. Your dog, as you're working with it, you want to keep the dog really focused on you. Little by little, get into more and more distracting environments. Heard one of my doggies barking there. But you're going to be going into more and more distracting environments. But you've got to do that gradually. The problem is, is you put your dogs in highly distracting situations. They've showed you time and time again that they're going to be reactive. You're going to, they're going to lose their focus. But yet you allow them to continue to rehearse that behavior over and over. You set your dog up for failure by putting your dog in that level of distraction before your dog can handle it, before your dog is ready for it. It doesn't have that impulse control. So it's just like, you know, teaching impulse control is, again, that's a lot like counterconditioning and desensitizing, right? Because the work you're doing, the training, the alternative behaviors that we want to teach our dogs to do so that they're incompatible with the unwanted behaviors. Like, you know, your dog cannot be committed to sitting when a guest comes in. And jump on that guest at the same time. But we're so concerned about, you know, let's correct the jumping. We don't think about what can we teach? What alternative behavior can we teach instead that we can reward, that we can motivate the dog? See, the, here's the thing. If you tell your guests when your dog jumps on them to turn around, ignore the dog, there's no value to the dog. There's no positive reinforcement. But if you're working on having your dog sit proactively with one of your family members or a friend coming to the door, so you can do it over and over and over, start your dog far away from that door. Start your door knocking with your helper at the lowest knocking possible and work your dog through those knocks on obedience commands heavily rewarding your dog. If your dog can't stay focused on you and do the work of the training, your helper's knocking too loud, okay? Then start using recorded doorbell sounds and little by little, bring those up so that your dog learns to stay focused on you 
with the door knocking and doorbells. You're going to start at low volumes and you're going to gradually systematically bring them up to loud volumes. You're going to teach your dog to ignore that stuff when you ask your dog to listen to you and respond to cues and commands. You're going to then have your helper little by little come into the home, in and out, in and out, in and out. Have them come in calmly and slowly to begin with. Have your dog far away from the door, but see them. That's going to be easier in the beginning. Little by little, your helper can become more animated as your dog learns to ignore them and focus on you. And little by little, as your dog gets more desensitized to this, you can start working your dog closer to the distraction. But you guys are trying to compete with these distractions, these competing motivators, before you've taught them something else to do that has been rewarding and you started that at low level distractions and gradually built that up. See, nothing happens quickly. It takes work. If you want a well-trained dog, you're going to put in the time. You've got to you've got to do the work. But if you do the work, if you do the proactive work, we don't have to sit there and punish our dogs. How fair is it to punish your dog? when you did not take the time to teach them what they should do. They're just dogs. They come into this world. They're just dogs. They're not being dominant. They're they're not trying to take over the human race. They know we're a different species. Dogs aren't being dominant. They're unruly. What does unruly mean? Without rules. It's our job to teach the rules to the dog. It's our job to make sure that we can manage and control them in highly distracting, highly excitable situations. And if we're not working on teaching them to stay, if we're not working on impulse control exercises, if we're not proactively baiting and distracting them, rewarding them for not taking the bait and ignoring the distractions, recommanding them when they do take the bait or fall prey to the distraction and working through that gradually and systematically slowly, what do we expect our dogs to do? They're just going to be dogs. You know, people get mad because their dogs jump. And do you know that jumping primarily is a behavior that humans create? What's one of the first things we do with a puppy? We pick them up. Pick them up, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up, pick them up. Pick them up and bring them right to our chest. It's almost like jumping. Getting up there, getting close to us. Up there and touching us. I watched a documentary one time about um, a group of aboriginals. Can't remember what, um, what part of the world it was. But they were raising working dogs. And they had about six puppies. And there were three kids, maybe two to three years of age, running around these little eight, 10, 12-week-old puppies. None of the puppies jumped on the kids. That's almost unheard of. None of the puppies cared about the kids. You know why? Because those kids ignored the dogs. From day one, they ignored those puppies. They didn't pick them up. They didn't engage with them. Now, I'm not saying your kids or you shouldn't engage with your dog. But we teach that behavior. I'm just giving an example. We teach that behavior of jumping. And yet when they jump, then we want to punish them. Use some kind of fear, pain, or intimidation. It's so easy to punish, isn't it? And it's really not that effective. It's usually temporary. You're just interrupting the behavior and kind of ruining that relationship with your dog. Again, you need to be thinking about not so much what you don't want your dog to do. What do you want your dog to do instead? That's a good behavior, an appropriate behavior, and putting in the time and working with that. That is so, so important. That is so critical. And again, if you're looking for a quick fix, Those things don't happen. Real work takes time. 
Need to take a quick second to talk about Calm Dogs, our sponsor. Um, Calm Dogs is a labor of love for me. I've spent five years developing what I believe is the world's most effective calming aid for dog anxiety. Now, it's not just for anxiety. If you've got a dog with fears or phobias, sound sensitivities, um, Calm Dogs is a great alternative to prescription medication. You know, a lot of times medications, they're great, but they come with unwanted side effects. Um, This is not a supplement that will sedate your dog. It works by restoring neurotransmitter health and balances the neurotransmitters in your dog's brain. Um, Check out Calm Dogs at calmdogs.com. You can see a lot of comparative information. 98% of dog owners reported that when they took Calm Dogs twice daily for six weeks, they saw a definite decrease in anxiety. So check out Calm Dogs at calmdogs.com. All right, let me go back to, well, Cindy says, thank you so much. I was taking notes. We'll follow everything you mentioned. Really appreciate your time and work. Well, thank you, Cindy. I appreciate you as well. Um, Let me take a look here. Oh, you know what? I've got, I've got an email here from Mary. Let me go ahead and read Mary's email. Mary says, I live in an apartment and my dog has separation anxiety. And I've already gotten one notice from the apartment complex that my dog is barking and crying all day long. I'm worried that I'm going to get evicted. What can I do? Well, Mary, separation anxiety is a tough one. And right now, you're not going to want to hear this, but your dog can't be alone. We know what's going to happen when your dog's alone. It's not going to stop. This is something that's going to take work. It's going to take time. The protocol for separation anxiety is, again, weeks to months, starting off with little tiny departures. What's a little tiny departure? 30 seconds, 10 seconds, and little by little gradually extending the time. What you want to do is keep going in and out of the apartment For like five seconds, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, as many times as you can. Be the most boring human being possible. We want the dog to say, boy, this person keeps going in and out the door and and for no apparent reason, and they're not gone long, and and, you know, just just ignore them. They're boring. Then little by little, you're going to extend the time before you come back in. Now, at any point you get to a duration of time that you're away from the dog and your dog starts showing anxiety, you have gone away. That departure is too long too soon. Too long too soon. Again, it's a very gradual systematic process. Now, with separation anxiety, we don't use food. It gets the dogs more excited. We don't want them excited. We want them calm. We want them calm. Now, as you keep extending the distance, or excuse me, as you keep extending the duration of absence, and you keep going longer and 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 longer, throw in some short duration. So let's say I walk out for 10 seconds, I walk out for 20 seconds, I walk out for 30 seconds, I walk out for 40 seconds, I walk out for 50 seconds, I walk out for 10 seconds, walk out for 50 seconds, walk out for 50 seconds, walk out for five seconds, walk out for a minute, walk out for a minute, walk out for 30 seconds. Throw in shorts. Don't let the dog figure out a pattern that every single time you walk out that door, they're going to be waiting longer. Because dogs are masters at figuring out patterns. And if they do that, they're going to start becoming anxious because they know, oh, mom or dad, they just keep leaving for a longer period of time. So, Mary, give that a shot. Also, um, hey, the guru of separation anxiety is um, Milena DiMartini. Milena DiMartini. She's got a great book on separation anxiety. You can check that out. Also, I've got an article on separation anxiety. I keep plugging the website, dogbehaviorist.com, my website. Go to the article section. There's a great article there on separation anxiety. And Mary, that's something that um, you also might need to take your dog to the vet if it's very severe. You might need a combination of medication and behavior modification doesn't mean your dog has to necessarily stand medication forever, 
But a lot of times with very severe separation anxiety, people are not able to get through it without medication and behavior modification. It's also a very serious and difficult problem that you probably need professional help. So look for a certified behavior consultant in your area, or you can contact me at dogbehaviorist.com, and uh, I'd be glad to, uh, to help you out as well. Well, we are just, well, we aren't just about out of time. We are actually out of time. We're running over a little bit. Hey, I appreciate everybody that tuned in and watched today. Check out the audio podcast, Pet Talk Today. Check out calmdogs.com. If you've got a dog with anxiety, fear, aggression, or reactivity, have a great weekend, everybody. Make sure that you practice, practice, practice. See you next week.